What's going on, people? What's going on? Welcome to uh, Keep It One Eleven. This is this is definitely the first episode. Um, my name is Andy, and this is Sanha, and uh, we're gonna bring you the uh, hottest and the most accurate takes um, in in sports, from basketball to European football. And today is a very very exciting day, at least in basketball. We're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit today briefly about, uh, you know, European football and then American football, of course. Um, so keep stay tuned and um, we're going to we're going to first kick this show off. Talk about probably the most topical thing of you know, at least this week, which is college basketball. The final action coming up where do we start i mean mean, well first of all we have to start only big programs so no cinderella stories right this is everybody in here is like you know we've all heard of them right 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 but so we've all heard of them but the one kind of I guess outlier is really UNC, which is like weird to say, right? It's weird to say because because for a while they've been they've been like the huge like the big boys. Um, but that was largely because they also had a Hall of Fame like head coach in Roy Williams. But this year is the first year that they don't have that. They have a first-time head coach. This guy, I don't think he's ever head coached. Has he? No, he's never head coached a team before. He was he was the assistant to Roy from 2012 to 2021. And then this year, he took over as head coach. So, first-time head coach, literally the first time in his career that he's a head coach. He hasn't even been a coach that long. Um, he was a player in the NBA, and then he started coaching at, at UNC in, in 2012 as an assistant coach. So, it, he, by no means does he have like a long coaching career or anything like that. But here he is, you know, as the eight as an eight seed in the Final Four in his very first year. Could this be a start to a to a budding illustrious career? Yeah, I think yeah. If you're looking at any, if anybody's got a Cinderella story, it's him. I mean, given you know how big all the other names are, we don't even have to go into you know Villanova, Jay. Right? We don't have to go into you know Duke. So UNC, of course, it's a little weird to not have Roy Williams at the helm. Mm-hmm. Duke is a little awkward, um, but yeah. I mean, honestly, this is this is. It's probably not a dream for UNC fans because they've been here before. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a dream for this dude. This guy's probably nervous as hell. Well, <laughs> because... It's not only a dream for like this dude, but it, it, like even for the fans though, it's not like like I, I'm sure their 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 hopes weren't like super high. Like they didn't have like high expectations coming into this year, right? Eight seed, yeah, eight seed and all. Yeah, eight seed, first time head coach, like. Your, your expectations couldn't have been that high. And here you are, Final Four against Duke. Of all the teams, right? And that's the craziest thing. The craziest thing is that 
Okay, so number one, if UNC were to win it all, they would be the lowest odds um, championship tournament winner in like the last 100 years of the tournament. They came in as like odds to win like 100 to 1 or something. Um, the only other team to do it who was even remotely close was like that, what was it, 2014 Butler or something? And, and they were like 95 to 1. And so this team is even further out than that. They're in the final four. And the craziest thing is they're against Duke, which, okay, if it was any other one seed, then I, I, don't, I think people would kind of write this off and say like, okay, like they made it to the final four, but like this is, this is kind of where it stops, right? Like there's, there's almost no chance. But it's UNC Duke, which always means that it's going to be an intense game. It's going to be a close game. And both sides are going to have a real shot at winning. How crazy yeah, is that? It's, 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 you, you say the same a lot about just heated rivalries in general. Yeah. You know, the record goes off the table, you know, when you get matchups like that. And it's either team on any given day. And keep in mind earlier in the season, right? UNC did beat Duke. In Coach K's last home game, yep. So, you know, they're they've shown that they're willing to step up to the occasion, spoil you know, victory lap. Why not do it again? And you know, of course, I, th I think most people are probably you know, I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but probably Duke is a favorite on paper. Duke is, I think, favored by like four and a half points or something. They're like minus four and a half. Yeah, but it's 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 a tough tough call, tougher than it looks on paper. Four and a half is is two possessions. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's two possessions. It's, it's... And I think that goes to show you because this is a two seed versus an eight seed. Exactly. exactly. You don't see like that Vegas on in itself tells you that like, dude, that's just the nature of you know this uh, like a rivalry that's as heated as this one is that you don't. It's not even a seven-game series. It's on. It's just one game. Who the hell knows what? It's can a happen. coin flip. It's like it's almost a coin flip. Okay, if you if you had to guess, Andy, what would you say? What would you think is Coach K's record against UNC over the span of his career? I would expect like six hundred. Coach K's just insane. So. Let me get the exact number here. He is 52%. He is That's a lot of than 50 I thought. wins, 47 losses. It's <laughs> and it's so funny because people are saying, so regardless, he will retire with the winning record. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's true. It's true. He will. Oh, he will. But you don't, you don't want this to be like, you don't want to, you don't want to lose here. You don't. You really don't. But, you know, yeah, you really don't. You really don't. Okay, but I, you, I don't you definitely, And you definitely don't want to lose to, a, like, a coach that has just come in, taken yeah. the wheel, 
and like you lose to Roy Williams, it's like okay, it was an honorable fight, you know, to the end, yep, right? Yep. But you don't want to follow this guy. I mean, I'm sure you know Hubert's a great I coach. Mean, just to give you the context here, like if you're Coach K and you're Duke, you you have a lot of pressure, frankly, to win the whole thing. Because, okay, you, you're against some, like, big programs here. But l- let me give you the – okay, so UNC, obviously, first-time head coach. This guy – this is his fi- first Final Four, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on. All right. I mean – First UNC coach to do it as well, to make it to Final Four. Right. Roy Williams will do that. True, true. All right, so then then you look at you look at Kansas. You look at Kansas. Extremely um, well-rounded team. Like, they're just – Coach Bill Self is is a legend in in his own right, right? Um, but Bill Self, four Final Fours, one championship. Then you go to Jay Wright and Villanova, also a legend in his own right, four Final Fours, including this one, two championships. Then you go to Coach K. This guy has 13 Final Fours. What, five championships? And five championships. My God. His, his, like, his pedigree just like is miles and miles and away above like everyone else here, including like legends, Bill Self, Jay Wright. Yeah. So there's if a you think about the five championships, the five championships over 13 Final Fours, that's a good conversion rate. No, that's really that's good. That's really good. I mean, to be fair, yeah. Jay, Jay Wright has two championships over four Final Fours. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely insane. It's kind of nutty. <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen those Villanova games. Like, those Villanova games, like, it wasn't easy. It no. was, definitely wasn't easy. Like, was he needed some luck to go his way. It was so scrappy. <laughs> yeah. In any case, in any case, so back to the UNC-Duke matchup. I said last week, even though this is our pilot, I said last week uh, <laughs> that that if Duke makes it to the final four, they're going all the way because yeah, I I honest to God believe I, I and they show, they dominated in in their elite eight game. It wasn't it wasn't as close as even the score suggested. It was like what was the nine point game or something, but they they dominated that game in the elite eight, like. They are not messing around. Coach K isn't messing around. The players want to win this for Coach K. This isn't even just for themselves or their school. It's for the greatest college coach of all time, by far, in his very final championship tournament. Like, this is it. Yeah. I think they're going to do it. I, 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 think, I think they'll win at least, you know, this game. And I know I said also last week that if they make it to the championship, I think they're going to win. And it looks like I think they're going to make it to the championship. I'm still not sold. I still – Kansas is, like, a very, very well-rounded team, though. Yeah, true. true. I, that's going to be hard. I, I don't know, man. No, I said that if Duvies is a championship game, I think they win because they have that factor going for them. But it's just, 
don't want to say that I'm walking back, you know, what I said either, but. I mean, so so let, let's talk about Kansas. And let's talk about Bill Self because this guy is, this guy is crazy. Um, all right, so he, he, he started in Kansas in 2003 as the head coach. So he was an assistant like way back in the day at Kansas in like 85. Um, then he like moved around to a couple places. Um, he head coached at a few places, and then he came to Kansas. Guess he, guess he, who he replaced at Kansas? The legend Roy Williams. When Roy Williams yes, went yes, to UNC, Roy Williams yeah, was at when when Roy left the UNC. This is the guy who came to replace him in 03. Since then, since then, his record in his home, uh, what, what do we call it? Home court? At home, his record is 95% at home. That's crazy. That's insane. 95% at home. 277 wins, 15 losses. I mean, I mean, he's... It's eighty-two percent overall. Like you know, like these guys, like with like the good programs, you know, college ball. It's like their records go like incredible. It's yeah. like every game they're a favorite almost, unless they're going up against another big program. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. But I mean, that's that's insane. That's that's crazy. Yeah. The disparity in talent is just like it's not like the NBA. You know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like it's the disparity in talent can be like huge and. Right, like Kansas, Kansas can have literally five future NBA players playing against literally zero future NBA players or zero even G leaguers. <laughs> exactly, like that. <laughs> you can say it's you know, Kansas, Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky did. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, and um, but yeah, I think I think Kansas is. I always like you know. I, I always favor teams, and the teams that always seem to do well in these tournaments, it's not a surprise. It's not necessarily the teams, you know, that have the best NBA, like, you know, like caliber in terms of ceiling potential. Yeah. It's not those kinds of, like, teams loaded with those kinds of players, one and dones that do really well. I think that's a reason why Kentucky for, like, many years at this point hasn't been able to, like, you know, challenge for like, they've always seemed to get like you know one and dones. But Kansas is a team that's built around experienced dudes, you know. And I think that those kinds of teams do well in the tournament because because experience matters. Experience might matter a little bit less when you're talking about the NBA and you have like a four year player, fourth year player versus like an eighth year player. It doesn't really matter that much. A freshman versus a senior in the college level is like the seniors gonna have many many years of experience even if that freshman has like bags of potential you know yep. so Kansas is a team that's you know experienced well-rounded I can see I mean they have to be the favorites right just to win it all well, I, I, I think so I think so and, and and what you talk about there about like it, it's the college game and especially this tournament is it, it's less about the quality of your individual players. It's, it's really how, how well your team is meshed. And that's why that's why I really believe that it comes down to the coaches here. Like, to me, when I see Final Four teams, like, okay, if there's, like, a transcendent superstar on one of the teams, like, 
like when Kevin Durant was with Texas or something, right? Like, if there's someone like that, then like, yeah, I, I can I can understand why why there might be a bigger impact of like individual players. But generally speaking, if there isn't some sort of like LeBron James like level of talent on a team, then to me it comes down to the coaching. It comes down to like how yeah. But, like, you know, the the years that the players play together is also important. Like, true, 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 true. Remember, like, Kentucky, that team with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, oh, Eric know. Bledsoe, Patrick Patterson, yeah, yeah, all in one freaking team? Yep, yep. You build them to win the whole thing. Are you crazy? Yeah. And, and, but they only made it to the Elite Eight yep. because they were all first-year players. These are trolling. I think, I think maybe Patrick Patterson wasn't a first-year player. But Demarcus Cousins and John Wall definitely were they, yeah. they were the they were the most important players. That's right. And Eric Bledsoe as well. And you know that that that's that's an important thing. And um, sure. it takes like a special kind of freshman talent to have first of all like the balls to actually you know um, not like get nervous in a big stage. Also, you know the experience that comes with playing together. And so um, the the successful Villanova teams, you know, that we saw in the recent years. They were built on, you know, older talent as well. So was you know the Roy Williams teams um, that won re, uh, won in recent years. So yep. I think that you know Kansas has the makings. Like it, like it just feels like it is a team that's built of like you know a roster that has you know champion you know written on it. Which if if it ends up being Duke Kansas, right? I mean, what a what a finale game it would be for Coach K to go out on. I mean, I'm gonna be rooting for Duke. I want Duke to win. I think I think most people want Duke to win, right? I mean, I think that's the crazy still, like, thing. Really invested well, into like another team. So that's the crazy thing, right? Because Duke is the Duke is the Alabama of college football. They're the New England Patriots of the NFL like almost universally hated because you've been at the top for so long and you've had the same head coach coaching you for so long. But this year, because it's Cody K's last year, it's like it's like it's flipped. We're like everyone's like, oh I want to see Coach K like go out on a win. It's funny because people people didn't say the same thing about Tom Brady. <laughs> true, 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 true. People didn't. People didn't, which is which is interesting. But I think Tom Brady has reached the transcendent, like transcended the level of like success that we could have ever imagined. Yeah, he's even beyond that. Like people are just so sick of him winning so many times. But Coach K is different because he hasn't won in in a minute. Right. He hasn't won in a minute, so it's not like people like feel like they've kept watching this guy for the last five years, like win everything, and so right. there's there's no fatigue there. And then, so there's no fatigue. And then, it, what really, what people really want is, is a good story, right? They want a good narrative. That's why they want like the 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 dynasties to lose. That's why they're rooting against the dynasties. But in this case, the better story is not for the dynasty to lose, but for Coach K to win and finish on top and then go out. That's the best. That's the best possible narrative, like <laughs> that could exist, right? I, I think, yeah, I think maybe it's also like that people want to have witnessed some greatness. Mm-hmm. But Tom Brady is that his success and his resume has already 
fill the bill for that and we don't need more of that (laughs) we don't need to you know just like just put the boot in our throats and just keep keep feeding us with this because get it you know and so it is it is interesting um we can move on though to uh nba i'm excited to watch this how this unfolds, yeah. but um, let's move on to let's on let's move on to like big boy basketball here. Yeah, and um, I mean the first thing that we have to talk about is are, are the Celtics, right? Oh my gosh, so so funny because we were talking about how like well I was talking about Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. you know, is, is he is he the man? Mm-hmm. And the thing is that like. I still am not sure that he's number one on a championship team. There are very, very few number ones on championship teams in the league at a given moment. Definitely, definitely, like, you know, most teams maybe have a number two if they're lucky. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is so hard to, like, it is, like, Every champion that we've seen in the past, and of course we talk also about like how like that might be changing a little bit, but until now, every champion that we've seen has is very like the talent tends to not be you know shallow and broad, but narrow and deep, right? Yep. yep. So to say Tatum is a number one on a championship team, those are very very high praises. And I'm not sure I'm ready to get it to. And, and to be honest, that kind of label to me, you don't give somebody based off of regular season success. Because those guys have to be good in the regular season and they also have to be good at the playoffs. Because you can make the argument that, you know, based on a regular season success, you would say James Harden is the number one on a championship team. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people think that right now, probably not. He doesn't have the postseason, you know, resume to back it up. And also that he's, um, I mean, he, he's just he's just um, locker room cancer. <laughs> um, I guess with Tatum, I will say that like you know, I don't think we've seen Tatum like play poorly in the playoffs. I think generally when I think of Tatum, I think of a guy who plays at his level in the playoffs, and maybe his numbers rise in accordance with higher usage that star players will usually see in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that, but that, you know, but like it, he doesn't get better. He's fine. He he plays just at that level, which is good. He's still a great player. He's still definitely the best player on his team. Like, and will often be the best player on the court, at least in like the first or second round, right? Yep. So, you know, I I, I think I think jury's still up, but yeah, I, the Celtics are on an impressive, impressive tear for sure. They're on an absolute tear tonight. They're they're playing the Heat right now, actually, and. I mean, obviously, that's going to be a huge game um, and an important game as 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 the season wraps up here. Um, because the Celtics, I, I believe, as of right now, they're they're one game behind. It's really tight, actually, in the top four. Like the Heat are up at number one. The Bucks are behind half a game. Then the Celtics one game. Then the Sixers one and a half. So it's going to be real tight between those four. Um, the Heat haven't been on on a hot streak. They're four and six in their last last ten. Um, 
So they really need this win tonight against the Celtics. And, and, and if they can get it, then that can, I think, propel them to kind of keep the number one seed going, going into the playoffs. Um, but if they lose here, it's, it's kind of a momentum crusher um, this late in the season, especially since yeah. you had been the number one seed for a while. Yeah, and on the other hand, for the Celtics, this is like as if the momentum and the morale could go any higher. This is like just like push me to the edge, right? Like that's if they can win this game, like they might just they might take it and go all the way, man. <laughs> it's it's definitely feeling like you know, and and that's and that's the thing about like a a young hungry guy, and also I. I didn't know Jalen Brown or uh, Jason Tatum. He's still only twenty three. Yeah, he's a baby. He was like, it feels like he's been around for so much longer. No, he was. He, like, feels like, he was twenty one when they were in, like late in those playoffs, like a couple of years ago. He was like a baby. Yeah. That that's why that's why people were making comparisons between him and Kobe because of you know how young they were. In the playoffs, making an impact. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. It, I guess in that capacity, comparison to Kobe is apt. I see more comparisons like him and KD. The similar size, ball handling. I, I hope for. Uh, I hope for his sake that he'd rather be Kobe than Durant. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends in which capacity that the comparisons are being made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in terms of, like, raw, like, offensive, like, can you stop? Like, can, can you be stopped? Like, um, AD is probably the one of the highest, you know, comparisons that can be made, right? Cause, right. It's like, it's like Larry Bird. Yeah, the dude is, yeah, the dude is just physically, physically just Impossible. not fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting playoffs in the Eastern Conference, no matter what happens, because like you said, the top four seeds it's all wide open. Yep. Or there are opportunities for redemption, individual redemption from players. There's opportunity for some people like convincing some players, convincing you know the uh, fans that they are you know the you know they are a number one player on a championship caliber yep. team. Like a Jason Tatum, this season is an opportunity for him to prove that to me, or at least make a case for that. Um, a case for James Harden, maybe this year to not absolutely just bottle it <laughs> like every year he does. I mean, we'll, um, we'll see. If I, I feel like if 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 Harden doesn't get it done this year, or at least no, I, I'll, I'll cut him a little slack. If if Harden doesn't show up this year. I won't necessarily say that like he has to get it done, but if he doesn't show something this year, like an an elevated level in the playoffs beyond what we've seen in the regular season, then I'm kind of like forever eternally cooled on him. As like I I say like if you think about the double standard i mean it's not a double standard because i don't think we've ever looked at hard in the same way people look at lebron but remember lebron's first seasons with the heat you know guys like Stephen a were having rants the finals about he was give, he was deferring the last shot to Dwayne wade he was saying 
LeBron's got to get it done. We don't care. We see we see you hiding. And to me, James Harden, you can't ride, you know, on the coattails of an MVP candidate to, you know, an Eastern Conference Finals and, you know, say that, like, you know, my job here is done. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's not good enough. You know, he's got to play at least the caliber that he's we know that he's capable of playing in the regular season. That's the bare minimum, honestly. And and I wonder though I wonder if if Harden by never winning on the Rockets kind of like he missed his shot. Because when he was on the Rockets, he was he was the best player on that team. Like unequivocally. Like Chris Paul was good, but Harden Harden was clearly the the MVP like of that team. He was the superstar of that team. But post post Rockets on the Nets, he was not. He was playing second fiddle. Right now, I would still consider him second fiddle to Embiid. This season, absolutely. Yeah. Embiid is an MVP candidate exactly. this season. Exactly. So it may not be the same next season. I can see it changing. At least for this season, he's second fiddle right now. And so then, he, Harden is what, thirty now? Is he over thirty? I think I think he's probably in the neighborhood of thirty. He's got to be close. So he's getting up there in age. And thirty-two. He's 30, thirty-two. He's thirty-two. Well, yes. So then, there you go. He, he's getting up there in age, and and he's he's. He's spending yet another season on a team where he's not the superstar. He's not the number one guy. As far as I'm concerned, like the chances get very, very slim after the season that he can do enough for his legacy to go down as you know a top whatever player in the history of the NBA. Like he's gonna go down as you know the best number two in the history of the NBA or something, you know? Or I guess, I guess... The best shooting guard in the regular season. <laughs> something, right? They're like, it, like yeah. they're, they're gonna be a bunch of, uh, like, um, they're gonna be a bunch of asterisks, like, added to, he was the best, but not really. Like, he was the best at this specific thing, maybe. But, like... He, he, he's gonna show up in a lot of, like, you know, you know the stats when, like, you know, ESPN or whatever, they, like, fish some, like, insane stat that, you know, it sounds cool, but really they just applied a crap ton of filters, so they're only, like, you know, <laughs> 20, 20 people who even apply to that, and they're like, he's the first on that list. <laughs> that's James Harden. That's, that's James Harden. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, like, I think the only way to actually totally redeem it is, honestly, like, for, for the... The amount of success and like you know stats that you see in the regular season, if he wants his postseason resume to even stack up close to that, he has to win a chip. He has to win a chip where he's played a major role, at least number two or number one yeah. option. Yeah. Outside of that, I I agree. Like the the amount of damage that he did to himself, his legacy at the rock with the Rockets, because the important thing is that. He didn't just fail as like part of like you know the team, and he was the best player. He failed in a team, in a franchise that, that deliberately tried to build around him. Yep. 
and if you and if you have like that kind of like you know you wield that kind of power in the organization and you cannot get it done and in fact you know your performance is what causes you know the team to lose that's that that's you know that's a really tough thing and years of that too you know that that was that wasn't just one year where it was a disaster it was years over time they had you know star players come in and out you know white howard before like you know he absolutely hit a wall you know yeah he was still like that was that was that was after you know lakers and whatever but at that time he was still very much a competent player an all-star in his own right probably yeah because his his peak was insane. His peak was like his peak was MVP candidate. Yep. I mean, at that point, he was still all star, all star caliber. Oh yeah, for he sure. had Chris Paul at one point. He had Russell Westbrook at some point. He had so many pieces to work something out, and he um, honestly, like, he was the reason why they kept losing in the playoffs because he wouldn't show up. And really, I think this speaks to like the bigger theme of this is the difference between winners and losers and by that i mean players who really really want to win and so there's a difference there's a difference between being an asshole because i want to be an asshole and i'm selfish and i want what i want and there's a diff and someone who is an asshole but for the sole sake of winning which is what michael jordan kobe right like these players were undoubtedly assholes like maybe even more than Harden. who knows like who who will ever really know right but they were some of the biggest assholes out there but they were assholes because they wanted to win like more than anything in the entire world right Harden is an asshole just because he's like for the sake of being an asshole and it shows it shows in it shows in his play it shows in the decisions that he makes of like where to go, of where he says he wants to be traded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? This guy, like, he doesn't have the same desire to win, and that's why he's now, he's gonna go down as like one of the most like like one of the biggest disappointments in, in NBA history. I mean, yeah, g- given the amount of like, given the basketball that we've seen him play, seen him capable of playing. Mm-hmm. It honestly is a shame. I don't know what it is. It's like, I don't know what happens to him when he gets into the spotlight. It's like, it's, and and the thing is, is like, yeah, it's like, it's not even like one game where he just totally disappears. It's just like, he just, just like absent. And that's like literally just been his postseason resume at this point. Yeah. It's absence. Sad. Depressing. That's very sad, honestly. All right, well, so that, that's the East. In the West, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to talk about in the West. Like, the Suns and Grizzlies are pounding everyone. They're just destroying everyone. It's, it's, it's kind of getting kind of outrageous. <laughs> it looks like a two-pony race. <laughs> yeah. It's, and the, Grizzly, the Grizzlies, I really didn't see it coming, man. Like, the Grizzlies last year were like, you know, Fun team to watch, yeah. young, you know, they got some fight, yeah. and what, what were they? they? They were a fringe eight seed? Were they eight yeah, seed yeah. or something? that's right. Something like that. They were a low seed. Uh, they were a low seed, and then this year, you know, I, I was honestly thinking, because, you know, like, the, the, the West the West still has talent, you know. I thought, you know, Curry's coming back, 
Um, uh, Curry's Curry's gonna have you know like you know the Warriors are gonna actually like be able to compete again. Um, the Mavs are always good. The Jazz are always good. You know, definitely, I I, ne- I would never have put the Grizzlies. Even let's say like you know the all the young guys like just like had massive like you know leaps yep. of growth. Yep. Definitely not for like top four seed. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I was honestly thinking realistically, they should try to make the playoffs again. Sure. I thought that like you know that's a that's a realistic goal for them because the West is talented. Um, not everybody's talented up and down, and of course the Lakers are always still in the mix, right? So, but this this season has gone so well for them. I. And I think this, you know, are they really going to make it far into the playoffs? I mean, their talent is very young. Um, of course, you know, they had one one series of experience, you know, for most of the guys. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they um, can actually make some noise. It's, this team is crazy because, like you're saying, they're all, they're all so young. All right, so... Of their top eight scorers this season, they're old. The oldest among their top eight scorers is your boy, Dylan Brooks. It's Dylan Brooks. He's the oldest of the top eight scorers on the team. I mean, D- Dylan's been Dylan's been in the league for a while, and he's twenty-six. You gotta say. I, I thought, I mean, I'm happy to see him doing really well, right? And the thing with Dylan, though, and of course, you know, all due respect to him as a player because he's a great player. And I, I know that personally he's like, he's like a very hungry dude, a very competitive guy. But the issue that I saw, like, you know, when I saw him coming out of college and where he is now, and to be honest, even today, he's not the most efficient scorer. Right, yeah, yeah. the volume shooter. Um, he doesn't add too much defensively, and his, his he's not an excellent three point shooter. He can shoot the three, but he's not excellent. Correct. So he put, he has a lot of characteristics that I feared was it had a lot. It's it smelled a lot of like just a player who stuffs the stat sheet on a bad team. You know, yep. just. You know, somebody's got to put up shots on a bad team. He's the kind of player that I thought, like, you know, he would be the guy that would, like, shoot volumes and honestly not get you a lot of Ws. So this is, honestly, I'm, and and I thought that, like, if the Grizzlies are going to become, like, a really good team, either they're going to offload him or he's not going to be, you know, going to be a top scorer on your team. He might, he might come off the bench, right? Sure. I honestly would have... Like I would have assumed that he would have to come off the bench if the team is going to have this kind of success, two seat success. I would not have like you know bought it. If if Brooks is going to be your starting forward and he's still shooting volume, yep. I thought unless like he wakes up one day and all of a sudden starts shooting the three like starts shooting this three like Luca or something like like I don't see it happening right because it, the efficiency is not there and he also doesn't take that many threes. He takes a lot of volume twos. So his game is a little bit old-fashioned, right? Yep. And it, it, the, the efficiency is just not, not quite there. So it's, it's so interesting, though. They've made it work. They made it work. Yeah, somehow somehow they made it work with, with like, 
don't even know how to get Tyus Jones. Budget DeRozan? I don't I don't know. Honestly, D- Dylan reminds me of a budget DeRozan, but I, you know yeah, he's a poor man's DeRozan. But but you know, put some respect on his name because like he's he's a he's you know shooting volume still and his team is the second seed, so like many times was DeRozan the second seed? <laughs> I mean, not that not that many times. I mean, this uh, and look, it looked like the Bulls were gonna have a lot of success this year, but not. But Dylan's still putting up sixteen shots a game. That's a He's lot scoring eighteen a game. That's a lot of shots. Sixteen shots. <laughs> Team's a second seed. I know it's crazy. If you're if you're putting up that many shots and your team is doing well. That's usually a sign that you're just a good player. You're a good player. You know, like it, whoever's getting, you know, the uh, a lot of shots on on a good team. You know, a lot of shots on a bad team doesn't mean shit. And that was John Wall with the Rockets, <laughs> like before 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 he went on like a career sabbatical. <laughs> but um, and usually, like the volume is people think of volume as a bad thing, but if your volume is high and your team is doing well, I mean means your volume is a part of why your team is winning. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, they're, crushing, they're crushing people. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's he's shooting 30% from three. Like, like it's... I don't know, man. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Last, I mean, last thing we got to talk about in the West is... I mean, you briefly mentioned it, but... I mean, you mentioned that the Lakers are in the mix, but... You would have thought at the beginning of the season is what I'm saying. Right, right. You would have definitely thought that they would have been in the mix. And here they are sitting outside of even the play-in, outside of even the play-in, with LeBron injured. Yeah, Lakers trash. That's correct, Brandon. With LeBron injured, with AD injured, everyone's injured. And they're they're 11th in the West. Like, the, the only thing that's worth watching the Lakers for right now is LeBron like breaking Kareem's record for most like most points <laughs> sad like damn Just, I don't know like it's it, I kind of like no offense but I kind of like the fact that LeBron's losing for once but then like it got old really quickly <laughs> like, but okay see yeah. that's the crazy thing the crazy thing is it got old so quick because of what I said before of the young stars in this league. They're not very magnetic. So once like one of your old superstars goes to shit, like it gets so boring and you want to see them be good again. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Like we're, we're all just sitting here clinging on to like any, like any semblance of Harden and B drama. We're just like waiting for it. We're, we're, we're just waiting for some kind of tea to come out of there, right? It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hate to say that the M- like the NBA is becoming boring because no, it's still like, you know, still a lot of exciting things. Yeah, like, um. But it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same with LeBron just absolutely like, you know, single-handedly like ruining and crushing dreams, you know? True. Okay, Brandon in the chat is telling me that Luca is fun to watch. Which, sure, Luca's fun to watch. Okay, Luca's fun to watch. There's nothing to hate about him. Right. That's what I'm saying. Luca's fun to watch. Trey's fun to watch. D books fun to watch. Like all these guys, all these young guys are fun to watch. Sure. 
But like, they're not going out and like trashing people. Like, you know, they're not doing the things that we're used to our like superstars doing. And 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 getting the clout and the drama and I don't know, man. It's you know, like saying hot takes about China and shit. Man. Yeah. Like, yeah well, Yeah, Kyrie's like definitely one of the guys that like you know brings a lot of drama. People like to shit on him, but damn, I'm sure we're all deep inside. We're happy he's Kyrie, you know. <laughs> like, right. and, and the funny thing is, is that like you definitely can tell like like his posture when it comes to like you know like like the media has changed over time because he knows he he hears the outside noise like. He still like stands firm to like what he's like what he believes in, and he's just trying to like you know posture a little bit to make himself come off a little bit better. And I, I yeah, it's I find it so entertaining. Yeah, because he doesn't like it. He doesn't <laughs> like that people like that everyone thinks he's an idiot. <laughs> what? Oh no, okay. Kyrie's great. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, well let 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 let's talk about something that that is a little dramatic. So. A month ago, the NBA, NBA.com, because it's the 75th anniversary, they released their top 75 players in history. In history. And I looked through this list, and it's very interesting. Cause we, we need to talk about we need to talk about the top 20 right here. Because oh my, it gets spicy. All right, so I'm gonna start from the top because because it's the, the top is pretty obvious. It's, it's number one Jordan, number two LeBron, number three Kareem, which okay, number four hey. Magic, five is. Hey. Six like honestly, years. after like for me, after Jordan and LeBron, like it gets really hard. It does. It does. So so, six is Bill Russell. Seven is Bird. Eight is Duncan. Nine is Oscar Robertson. Oh, Duncan at eight. And then ten is Kobe. All right, I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna pause here. Who's missing? Let, let, let me get the list out. I got the list. Here, here, here. Do, you, do you want the link? Do you want the link? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll, I'll message you the link. If I can find it. Oh, wait, I can't even message it to you because it's going to ruin the thing. Just go to, um, just look up ESPN Top 75 or something. ESPN NBA Top 75. All right, Brandon is saying, isn't it boring now since players get fined over the smallest shit now? True. This is also true. They've kind of, I mean, yeah, I don't think the fine ever actually like. I mean, but maybe, like, no, no, no. Less about your physical actions and more about like stuff that you say in like media. 
and, and I mean, that could be true. That could be true that, like, that could be part of why, you know, players are less likely to, less likely to talk shit and, and give fire takes <laughs> than before. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the fucking sound bites, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love the fire takes. Who is missing from this top 10? Um, Dak, Shaq's missing. Correct, yeah, that's exactly right. That's the first thing that I thought. Okay, even when I talked to, like, number five, I was like, Shaq's not a top five player? Top five is hard. Top five's hard. Top five is hard. Like I said, but, I mean... Like, after, like, after Jordan and LeBron, it's kind of hard. It is hard. Okay, it, it, it okay. I'll give you it's hard between it's hard between Kareem, Magic, Shaq, and Bird. Once you once you get once you get out of LeBron and Kareem, Magic, Shaq, and Bird. Because okay, so they put Walt like, number five. Like guys like guys like Bill Russell, right? And like things like I've never seen Bill Russell play, but like his resume is pretty insane though. I guess so, so. Bill Russell, you have to kind of accept and, and give him his due. Will Chamberlain, I will never give him his due. Why is that? Because his numbers are fucking bullshit. Numbers are bullshit, but his numbers are also like, like, bullshit circumstances, bullshit numbers, but still like, insanely good. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Not like I. I would probably yeah. I would definitely say like, difference with like. Between Wilt and Kareem, decision's easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that Wilt is not a top 10 player. He's not a top 5 player. No, he's not. He's he, not. I don't yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, Kareem, I think 1 to 4, I think is, like, perfect. You're saying Shaq should be 5. I don't know. I'm saying know, Shaq dude. deserves to be up there. Or... Or at least there needs to be a stronger, there has to be a stronger conversation or discussion between Shaq, Bird, and Bill Russell for the number five spot. Like, just putting, yes. putting Wilt there is, is kind of weird, but it's just disrespectful to have Shaq at number 11. Like, that's disrespectful. I mean, like, like what's, the, what's the rationale for Wilt? Like, 100? That's it? That, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Like, yeah. Yes. I mean,. He has six of the highest 11 single game point totals in NBA history, which all of them are bullshit. What are you <laughs> like? Outrageous. Outrageous. The fact that Shaq is 11 is, is crazy. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I, I would put Shaq. I would have thought Shaq would be top 10. Like, no doubt. Shaq's higher than Tim, Tim Duncan. Yeah, he's got to be higher than Duncan. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Because no this is like it's like the the list to me is kind of like you put in Will Chamberlain, so okay, maybe you don't care too much about the rings. Then you put Tim Duncan at eight. So do you care a lot about the rings? Like what is going on, right? Um, I couldn't tell you. That's a little funny. It's a little funny. It's a little weird. All right, so okay, let, let, let's continue to to twenty here. So we have Shaq, KD at twelve. Holy shit. Pretty damn high. That's pretty damn high. Akeem Olujuwon, 13. Dr. J, number 14. Modus Malone, 15. Steph Curry, 16. Dirk, 17. 
Giannis at 18. Oh, God. That's, oh, that's way too soon. That's way too soon. We think Giannis is better than Jerry West. That's oh. what I'm saying. Jerry West at 19, Elgin Baylor at 20. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Players who... I mean, Giannis, like, ring is huge. Ring is huge. But, damn, that's so soon, though. It's way... Notable players that missed out on the top 20. KG... Barkley, the mailman, Stockton, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is a big one. AI? Like, I don't know, man. Is Does, does Giannis deserve to be on an all-time list higher than those players already? I mean, like... Yeah, like I just don't know how much weight they're giving the uh, rings. Honestly, like that's what's like it, it. It's always like the the gray area, like how much weight you put on the rings. Yeah. Like that changes so much about this conversation. Like that alone would put AI really low. I personally think AI is like, where is he in this list? He's he's is he top three at least? AI, I think he's he's in. AI's thirty one. I think that's kind of disrespectful. Not gonna lie. It is. It is disrespectful. Hey, would you... AI 31, Dwayne Wade 30. You think Dwayne Wade should be higher than AI? Uh, that's a little weird one. I don't know, man. That, that one is... Dwayne Wade has some nice playoff performances. But he's never single-handedly dragged a team there it's himself. True. No, this is true. This is true. This is true. I mean, for that, you have to give AI his due. Yeah, dude, AI played on a trash Sixers team. He trash! Literally, he literally hard solo carried them. AI was, like, this close to, like, proving that, like, your team could be built around a six-foot player and win a chip. Yep. He was this close. He was a fucking Kobe and Shaq Lakers away. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, dude, like... What what do you want the guy to do, right? Like, like yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I I would put AI over Dwayne Wade. Hey, you know, I think I think you convinced me. You're you're probably right on this. Because I, I think I think if we put Dwayne Wade over AI, I think it shows that we're giving rings a lot of credit. And yeah. I've never been like I think rings are important, but like you know. Every player needs to be in the right circumstance to make a ring happen, unless you're a LeBron. Right? Well, we're LeBron, not talking about LeBron. We're talking about what people are saying are top 30 players. Like, I think top 30 players at that point, you still need the right circumstances to win a chip. Yep. A lot of these guys that did win chips had, you know, that kind of the right circumstances to make it happen. Yep. Well, some guys are even higher up and they never won a chip. John Stockton's 24. And I mean, I'm not saying that John Stockton should be high up there like that, or, or like that's too high for him. But, you know, I think AI should be higher. I think so. Well, I think he's at least, yeah, he's top 30 for sure. Can we talk about KD at 12? That's pretty high, man. Especially because, like, I still don't think that he's won, like, a true ring. Yeah, that's you know? the. That... I think he I just need some time. Here. I mean, it, is it going to be solved just by time? I mean... No, no, but it's just... I think I need time 
for him to be inactive and for me to like really just like think back and like remember his career like better treat it like a historian like yeah. a u.s president yeah <laughs> i just because i can't do that right now frankly with him like i'm just yeah. so angry at durant for so many reasons so true it is true. It's probably tr- like it's it's gonna be hard for like NBA fans in general to actually have an unbiased, unemotional argument about whether KD deserves a spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. True. But how many fans probably like have the same attitude or similar attitude to you about KD's? Like, I feel I like you know, know. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I will say, like, even with that, twelve just seems very high especially if Shaq is 11 like Katie and Shaq are neck and neck really dude that's insane I, I would I would I would say like like Hakeem should be above Kevin Durant right now yeah I think so and to like you know was only able to win a ring because MJ retired <laughs> for a second, but but I mean, also she wasn't able to win a ring because MJ was in the league all the time. Right. You know, like but like his rings are genuine because like you know he was still the cornerstone of that franchise and he brought him there. Yeah. Um. You know, he needed some help with like you know like fortuitous like you know circumstances with you know. MJ stepping out for a sec. But AD just said, yeah, women go on stakes. Oh, man. The real debate is going to be who's going to rank higher on your all-time list? Steph Curry or Kevin Durant? I think the jury's still out, dude, honestly. Because I could see either of those guys winning more rings. Yeah. Yeah. I see Curry winning another ring with this team. Probably, like, it's it's not going to be easy. Like, you know? He's definitely not like I don't. I wouldn't favor him. I wouldn't like bet money that he's gonna win a ring, another ring. Yeah, I could see it happening for sure. Of course, Katie, you, 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 like you know, on paper, we feel like he should be able to win a ring. He hasn't yet. Um, I just, I need to see. I think, I think for me to be okay with Katie being in the top fifteen, I need to see him be the engine for a championship team. Because when he was on Golden State, like you're saying, I'm I'm sorry, but Steph was the engine of the team. Like Katie Katie probably had more points, I'm guessing, that season, um, than Steph per game. But he he was not the engine of that team. He was a luxury add-on to that team, to be frank. Like, KD was was playing, like, a lower-gravity setting, basically. Yeah. You play with Curry, like, you're just playing the game at a lower-gravity setting. It's easier. It's just easier. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I... Honestly, like, I think, I think even now you can make an argument that Curry should be higher than Durant. Right, yeah, that, that's that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Like yeah. that, that's that's the conversation. I don't know if I would go. I don't know if I personally would go there. I mean, yeah, I don't know, but 
Durant at twelve, it, it, it is high. It is high. It's 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 pretty outrageous. All right, let's, let, let's move on from basketball. Let, let's 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 transition over here to to football. And by football, I don't mean American football. I mean other football. I mean, I mean, what do you want to talk about? International, international football. Canada. There's international. <laughs> we're not talking about Canada. Yeah. We're, we're, I, we got we got to mention it briefly. Canada. First time they're going to qualify for World Cup since I was born. That's kind of cool. That's cool. Honestly, like, you know, I remember 2006, you know, uh, 2006 Germany. Like, I, like, obviously I was naive and pretty young. I was like, always thinking like, yo, like, why, why isn't, why isn't Canada in the World Cup? And then all my soccer friends, like, you know, oh, Canada's like so bad. Oh my God, Canada's like never going to make it to the World Cup. <laughs> and like, that was, that was like the reality. And then. Now it's it's insane. Like the the talent has changed. We actually have players who are relevant. The international, like you know, football scene, like at world class level. Yep. Jonathan David, you know, world class reputation. Like he's a kind of name that you know, football fans will definitely know his name. We didn't have players like that before. Like we, all star players were MLS, you know, veterans and things like that. It's just not flashy stuff. Have like you know guys like Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, like yep. actually like world class you know Canadian talents now, which is like something that I would have never seen coming at least this early, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, the sport is on the come up, you know. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Have you seen the ball though? The ball looks nice. Yeah, the ball looks sick actually. Ball looks nice. And today, like, I, I think I, I saw, like, an image of, you know, all the World Cup balls. I mean, they probably do this every time, you know, a new World Cup ball comes out. Like, the World Cup balls through the years. Yeah. And I saw the 1971, and I'm like, damn, you got to say, though, the 1970 World Cup ball, you have to, like, say, like, that's one of the greatest soccer balls ever just because that is literally, like, what it's what you draw like as a kid when you're drawing a soccer ball that it's that like exact the fact that you you and i when we were both you know when we we drew some i don't know like you drew something for class and you drew a soccer ball let's say you would draw that exact design and that design at the time we've been like 30 years old and we're still here drawing that same design yeah like kids right now if you go to a daycare they're drawing soccer balls looking exactly like the 1970s soccer ball that isn't the epitome of like one of the greatest designs ever. What the hell is, right? It's the goat ball. The goat ball. It's the goat. This year's one is. It, it's nice. It, it looks nice. nice. It is nice. Props to Adidas. The colors are cool. The colors are cool, I have to say. All right, anyway. Other than international football, transfer news. All right, I got some hot. I got some spice here. Rumor number one, United looking to sign none other than Harry Kane. That's definitely not happening. This summer. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Putting Martial as part of the deal. It's so funny because I saw that and I was like, as if like offering Martial like sweetens up the deal at all. (laughs) Like, like, what the hell even is that? It's like, it's like, it's like if somebody, like, offered me, like, like, in fantasy, like, for my best player, like, 
clearly worst player, like just a dead weight, like waiver wire. Like, like, why are you even offering this guy to me? Like, I could find something on the waiver wire right now just as good. And that's what Martial feels like. It's like, dude, like, cash considerations, bro. Like, who the hell cares? Like, what's what's the money? But even with the money, I don't, I, I don't see it happening. It doesn't make sense for both parties, I think. Dude, that's, that's too, that's, that, that analogy is too fair to Martial, okay? Offering Martial for Kane is like going to a car dealership saying, hey, I want to buy that car. Let me trade you in my car that has negative equity. So, <laughs> so not only do you give me your car, but you also have to take on extra debt for this other car that I'm trading in. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I don't even know if we would, like, do, and believe me, like, we need backup strikers. I don't even know if I would take Martial for free right now. <laughs> well, so the, the, the whole reason that that was even a thing is because Tottenham previously had interest in Martial. When? Not too long ago. Like, this was a real thing. Before he went on loan to, um, what, Valencia? Three years ago, and Martial was scoring, like, 15 goals a season? No, 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 after that, after that. I don't know what we were thinking. I'm glad that didn't go through. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm actually happier to keep, like, Bergwijn as as the backup striker. I wouldn't take Martial with you. I, for, as a United fan, I'm very happy... I'm very happy if we just put together um, the England national team on our team because <laughs> that's what it used to be. Thank <laughs> you guys, Harry Kane. Did you did you also see that though? Um, Harry Maguire getting booed by fans, then Harry Kane coming to his defense saying, "Hey, you don't stand for that," and he tweets out. Know, condemning the fans for booing Harry Maguire. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, he's he's uh, he's acting as the captain of the England national team and proves why he'd be a perfect fit at Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a lot of. I don't know what's the big deal about that. Honestly, like the dude is bad. <laughs> You're supposed to boo bad players. That's like, that's what you do. It's just. No, I agree. He's bad. I would boo him. I am booing him. <laughs> he's bad, and it's like I don't know why. Like he's like, yeah, he's he's just in a role that's like way too big for him, and I kind of feel sorry for him. But the dude is bad. He's bad. Yeah. And what do we do with players that are bad? We boo them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we bench them. We bench them. It, 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 it doesn't mean we don't like them as a person. They're just bad. <laughs> I don't really like Harry Maguire as a person. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a video. Um, I don't know why it was recommended to me on YouTube. Um, of him like, um, doing a challenge where um, he and two other players at Sheffield United had to, to kick a corner um, from both sides and get it into the net um, without bouncing. Okay. Harry Maguire did really well on that. Really? Yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, okay, well, it didn't involve running quickly from point A to point B. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
It's such a pity. I, I didn't know. Maybe he's good on the ball. The problem is, is that his the main part of his job is not to be good on the ball. Don't touch the ball. Stop touching the ball. Man, like as soon as I saw that, I think you know the first thing I thought was like, man, he's got such a good eye for goal. I mean, no wonder he scored for us, man. <laughs> like he scored for Tottenham because he had such a good eye for goal. I. <laughs> I think, I think Kane, I think, I think Kane is, no, 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 did you, wait, did, did I tell you about this, my theory, my theory of how, how pro footballers end up in their position? So, I, I believe when you're in grade school, when you're in elementary school, and you first start playing soccer, everyone starts as a striker. Well, no. Anyone who's athletic enough to become a pro footballer starts as a striker. And then, each level that you advance in your footballing, from elementary school to middle school, from middle school to high school, from high school to academy, from academy to, I don't know, whatever's above academy, the worse of a player you are, or the slower of a player you are, you just keep moving back. In your position, from from striker to attacking midfielder to center midfielder to defending midfielder to to, to defending back. That's what happened to Harry Maguire. That is most definitely a hundred percent what happened to Harry Maguire. That guy was no doubt in my mind a striker when he was in elementary school. Yeah, and then there's a very there there are very like few exceptions where you you go you go down to like attacking mid, but you come up back to striker because like I don't know something in your game clicked or something. Maybe every game started off as an attacking mid, I think. True, true. I'm not Obviously, like, universally true. But or Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's, it's fairly accurate. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like he's man. Crazy, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't see, I don't see Harry Kane going United. It, it doesn't make sense for him. He wants to win trophies. That's why he wants to leave Tottenham. Why is why would he go to United right now? Because right now, it's the premier English club. For twenty nine years old, twenty nine years old, it's gonna be tough for United to win a league title. While he's still performing at a high level, unless like we're talking like Harry Kane plays until he's like thirty-five and he's still like peak form, like I don't see that happening. Didn't RVP score thirty goals when he was thirty-five? Yeah, but he's also like really, really tall. <laughs> 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 that probably helps. <laughs> Honestly, like if you're really tall in the prem, like. You can still get by. Like you just have to be really strong and tall. <laughs> you know, you could you could you could Peter Crouch it. Like you can Peter Crouch. That's true, actually. But also, Peter Crouch it. Make a decent living. You mean really tall, like Harry Maguire? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Because uh, I don't know, like, dude, we like players like in the league. Like Donald Luis. 
Is he really that tall? Isn't Tommy Louis really tall? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But... This guy's really tall. Oh, he's not as tall as I thought. He's still 6'2", though. 62, uh, yeah, six, sixty-two for a center back. Honestly, dude, the prem like these guys are fucking huge. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, McGuire's six-four, Veron's six-three. Yeah, six-four, like six-four, six-four. That's big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, yeah. That's a big boy. Literally too big. Too big that it's affected his mobility. <laughs> so <laughs> big that he's so slow. <laughs> dude, I feel like every time we just talk about United, it ends up being like. Trashy McGuire. Trashy, trashy McGuire. Because he is so bad. I, I don't know why is he <laughs> starting. I don't know why he became a captain. I don't know why he's starting. Like Because he had one good tournament. The thing is, like, he doesn't do anything bad, like, outside of the field, like, Aubameyang did with Arsenal. Yeah. That, like, he deserves to be stripped of the captaincy. Like, he's no, just bad. You and it's, deserve and it's to be fun. stripped of the captaincy when you're bad. And you're bad. Speak of Aubameyang, though, dude, that guy is on fire. I know, I know. Like, people were saying that, like, dude, winter transfer window, the best transfer of this window was Aubameyang. And I'm like, I thought about that. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I think he might be, dude. Yeah, yeah. Seven La Liga games, dude comes in and scores seven goals. Yeah. Also old, isn't he? I mean, like I, I, I think he's he's thirty-two. Like I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was gonna put him in early thirties, but yeah. He's older than Sala. He's playing in a slower league. True. He's playing in a slower league, true, so. True. But yeah, I think I honestly didn't think that he would. I didn't think that he would be up to like you know. Beat Barcelona quality, you know. I think he was like, I think he was at his like, you know, at the right quality, like quality wise, he was at the right level when he was playing at Arsenal. And I thought like Barcelona, I mean, I know Barcelona is not like going through their best, you know, most successful period right now, but I thought Barcelona would be a little bit too much above his weight. But he's lighting it up. Like he's best transfer this window. Which is crazy because like you would have thought like someone like maybe Griezmann could have also done the same thing. He's lost. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is like with like you know some players like they go to Barca and Real Madrid like some players do like all right some people just totally fall off yeah. for some reason. It's like just made it to Barcelona Real's like they lost the motivation because like what the hell where the hell do I go from here you know? Well, Griezmann's also a weird case because like he's not a true center forward. He's not a wing, yeah. right? He's he's he also at the same time he's not like a false nine either like he. He plays this like he played this like this really weird-ish, unique role at Atletico, which like you know let him be really good. Just like I think, like when I think of it, I just think like forward, just forward. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they do a lot of things. I think I think he's he played center forward for. Um, I think he played striker for France, right? I think he did, but again, even on France, like it was weird because like he doesn't need to be like the number one center for like he has he has flankers number one you know right Mbappe Lacazette whoever um then he have there Benzema who can play like your traditional like number Giroud, yeah. role yep. yeah 
And then, then Griezmann can kind of like just like fill in the gaps in between. Right. Which is what he was good at. Yeah. I don't know. Like, but and, and the thing is that like, you figure that he could still play that kind of role, like if he's playing with Messi, you know. True. And, um, but even Messi is not like a true nine. I guess. I guess that's the thing, like, right? Messi like Suarez kind of overlaps actually. If any like Suarez, right? Yeah. Suarez. Yeah, Suarez is a true nine. Yeah. Okay, and so Suarez and Griezmann, you would think, is like, that's a good, that could be a good fit. You yeah, know? the Suarez will also bite you, so. <laughs> you see his, his over-the-head kick goal, like, um, this week? That was some insane stuff. The dude is still playing in quality. I, like, he's gone to the point where, like, now I think he's underrated. <laughs> he's been underrated for a while, dude. Dude, that guy has been, like, okay, before I say this, I have to think. Like, of true nines, I think he's been the best true nine for, like, oh, there's Leva. There's Leva. Yeah, there's Lewandowski. There's Lewandowski. Okay, but other than, like, with, but he's on the tier of Leva, though. Like, he's been on the tier of Leva. His, his, um, last season with Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, like, yeah, he was possessed. That man was like, yeah, he was. He, he was, scored like he scored thirty more than thirty goals that season. He was like, like Balotelli in his in his heyday. Yeah, and, and I think like what they finished second or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, Off like that was back. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know how they didn't win it because they had Suarez and they also had Daniel Sturridge like back when he was like good. When he was good, yeah, <laughs> he wasn't bad. Like Sturridge put up like twenty goals or something like that. So like I don't know how they didn't win the league that season. Like. A freaking thirty goal score and like a twenty goal score on your squad, like, dude, should be able to win you like a lot of games, but um, but yeah, man, Suarez has been like top tier true nine for years. I feel like, and it's like I don't know why like Barcelona got rid of him. Like Atletico's been using him very, very well. Like he's been very like successful with that squad. It wasn't like some kind of victory lap that like he was like trying to like it looked it seemed like he was like crying when he was leaving Barca and like it really felt like you know it was like about to be a victory lap. This is his last dance with Atletico, putting up like you know okay numbers and then that's going to be it for his career. Dude, it's like he's it's like he's making the team way better. Yeah, dude. So yeah, dudes are good. Should we uh, move on to uh, American football? American football. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, American football. So we got a month until the draft. We have a month until the draft. And um, the thing about this draft is that the quarterbacks are... Eh. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, there's not as much hype as there, there's been in uh, years past, which is unfortunate. Um, but instead, we had, obviously, like a bunch of trades, right? Like, crazy trades amongst, like, all the teams, basically. Um, it's been kind of crazy. And I think the, and I think people have been saying this, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate it here, is that, you know, part of it is because the Rams. Because the Rams won, and they won not by drafting, not by developing talent. I mean, they did develop some talent. But they made... Big star acquisitions 
and they took that star power and they won the Super Bowl in one year. They just, you know, they brought on everyone. They brought on Hard, players. yeah. It's hard to do it like that because you have to – it's a very calculated effort that panned out, you know? Yep. A lot of people try to – a lot of teams do that and they fail, you know? Yep. Not like, you know – you know, like a lot of these teams, like they, a lot of teams, you know, make a lot of free agent acquisitions and try to make a push like that, but they need some luck. They don't always work out. And for every team that actually like makes it work out, I would argue that there are many, many, many more that do the same and they fail and they end up just splurging a lot of money and they get saddled with a lot of big contracts and they take their one shot that one year. Then for the next, you know, couple, several years, they're saddled in a position that's makes it even increasingly harder to like you know put up the same kind of success which already wasn't enough in the first place right so so the rams like you know it was yeah it was calculated although they didn't get to right use odell but you know they, they brought in stafford made it work they used odell was, for a little bit they, he did well i mean he helped him get there yeah. i mean right yeah for sure sure and so so then yeah and then you're right that like a lot of the time it hasn't worked, but because the Rams were successful last year, it's like it kind of like lit the fire again, like among the teams. And they're like, "You can do it." It's like it's like, <laughs> it's like the the you, you know you know the the typical like angel on one shoulder, devil on the other shoulder. And the Rams won the Super Bowl, and the devil was like, "The Rams won the Super Bowl." <laughs> <laughs> <The> wallet. <laughs> Open it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's kind of what's happening. And, and there have been, I think, like in recent history, this has to be like the biggest like trade season like ever almost. Like it's, I don't recall any off season where there are this many like high profile trades. It's kind of crazy. And Do you think it speaks to the fact that, like, you know, draft is not as great, and so teams are trying to look for other ways to be competitive now? It's definitely part of that. It's definitely that the quarterback class is weak, so there's no point in having, like, a high first, high first pick. Um, and then the class is fairly deep, though. So you can get impact players in the second round, in the third round. And so I think that's also part of it. It's kind of like the perfect storm of, okay, we just saw the Rams win by by trading for a bunch of stars. And this draft class is, doesn't have star quarterbacks and is fairly deep. So we're confident that we can find, you know, impact players in, in the second and third round. So we're willing, more, we're more willing to trade first rounders. Hmm. So it's kind of a it's kind of a combination there. Um, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And so one one of the one of the most interesting things about the season has been the trading of wide receivers, of star wide receivers, and it's because of for at least for some of them, some of them got traded for like so cheap, like. Amari Cooper, who was like a huge name, right? Like this guy is a number one receiver on your team. He got traded for a third round pick. Like, 
wide receivers that we had we thought there was no chance of getting traded. Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, like franchise pieces, super super superstars, like beyond Odell Beckham even level of superstars. They got traded from their teams and got split up with, with like they they those teams split up like two of the best quarterback wide receiver tandems in the NFL and maybe even in NFL history. Like that's how good those tandems were. They were split up. Um, it, it's it's weird because it feels like wide receivers have become devalued, um, and, and people don't want to pay aging receivers anymore and and it might be because the young receivers are so freaking good now like jamar chase was a rookie last year justin jefferson he has 1600 yards when as a rookie like there's so many good receivers so uh, i mean i guess I, I should just look up look this up like receiving um leaders of 2021 and then we can see like exactly how good these young receivers were. Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson's in the top, Jalen Waddle, um, DJ Moore is still fairly young, Marquise Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown out of nowhere, almost. Um, Michael Pittman, Jamar Chase, like these are all like super young receivers, all under the age of like 25 or younger. And these are some of your top receivers in the in the league, um, Terry McLaurin. So, and and the other thing is that not all these players were even drafted in the first round. Like there are some, like obviously like Jamar Chase, who were drafted very high. Um, but then there are others who were drafted either late in the first round, in the second round, in the third round. So it's clear that like there are a lot of good receivers out there these days coming into the draft that are available for a much cheaper contract and they're less likely to have an injury history. So from that perspective, it makes sense that that people are less willing to pay big money to aging receivers. And that's kind of what we're seeing. That makes sense. So in that case, like which position is it like outside of the quarterback position going to, you know, substitute, you know, the amount of value, right? Because the cap space that you have is, you know, is, you know, growing, but steadily, right? That's right. And so your allocation, you know, something's got to take up more room. Is it just the quarterback position? Do you see it just being another position that's a little bit less deep in the league right now? I mean, the quarterback position is definitely kind of ballooning um, to a certain extent. Although, I will say, so that, that's an interesting conversation to have right now because Everything starts with the quarterbacks, right? Because uh, because of how much cap space they take up, and so everything has to start with them. But I think I mentioned this last week. Of in the past, typically when a quarterback is their time to get a contract, if they're like even just like a good quarterback, and you want to resign them, they're going to get top dollar because it's a new contract. Um, and that, that's just how it worked. They didn't have to be like a top five quarterback in order to get a fat new contract top of the line because it, that's, not how, that's not how it worked. But now it's kind of changing to a system that is probably a little more fair, more friendly to the teams 
less friendly to the players, but probably a little more fair where they're kind of, they're tiering, they're, they're starting to tier the quarterbacks of, it's no longer, okay, you're a top 15 quarterback and it's your turn to get a contract, you get like a top contract. It's no longer that, it's, okay, it's your turn to get a contract, which tier of quarterback do you fall in? We'll give you like the top dollar for that tier, but we're not going to give you like just like the top tier just because it's your turn to get a new contract. And so, and so quarterbacks are, are like the top, top end quarterbacks are getting more expensive, but don't, that's for like the top five QBs, right? The rest of the QBs aren't necessarily getting that much more expensive. So, like you said, yeah, there is money to go around. Um, a lot of it's going to the, the next most important positions. One is pass rusher, which is the second most, most important position in the NFL. Um, and it's, is very clear, I think, to everyone, especially after watching Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl, how important it is and like how impactful it can be to have a game breaker at pass rusher like they can literally change the game aaron donald went out and called the game he literally right. called the game there right like single hand every single pass rusher heading into free agency sitting at home and the couch watching aaron donald kind of getting a little happy yeah, because... for sure they're like yeah yeah <laughs> market value right it's just like <laughs> so so i mean definitely you have to spend money there um and also because young pass rushers it's kind of a it's kind of a, a coin flip you know they they can either end up doing really really good or they end up being like big flops so it, it's probably smart to invest in a, a proven commodity there um so that's one. And then the second one is your offensive line, especially your tackles, who are the guys who have to, right, block those pass rushers. Um, and kind of same thing goes for, for, for offensive tackles is that there are guys in the league who are – the best thing about the offensive tackles is that they can play until they're pretty old. Like some of our best offensive tackles are, are like in their mid-30s. Um, so they've been playing for over 10 years in the league. So um, you can still sign one five years into their career and you can still get five, seven years out of them, right? Um, performing at a, at a top high level. Um, so that's probably the next place that, that you, want to, you, you want to spend your money. And then the rest of it kind of gets spread. I, I, I would guess that the next place that it would go is like cornerback, but the market has kind of dampened in a weird way where in the past, if you're the number one guy in free agency, not necessarily in the league and just in free agency, if you're the number one guy, people are going to shell out. Like, like some team is going to give you just like massive amounts of money immediately to come to their team because that's the best that they're going to get. But it's similar to what I was talking about with the quarterbacks where it's no longer you're just the best guy in the market so you get like the top dollar they they started like like tearing and like it's weird I don't know like how and like why this started exactly my guess my guess is that it's because during the COVID year the cap actually didn't increase um, 
because the revenues went down, right? Um, so people had to be a little more stringent with their money, um, is my guess. But it's, it's really, it's kind of bizarre to see the way that the market has changed in that way where like people are being a little more prudent with their money. Um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, interesting. I, I, because I, I, I would guess, for example, like the running backs, if anything, over the, uh, over the couple of, of the, over the recent years, probably lost value, right? I think the running back has become a less valuable position because a lot of the quarterbacks are doing that work. Right, a lot of the newer quarterbacks they do a decent job, you know, running. Of course, Lamar Jackson, but you know, uh, Daniel Jones, even even Josh Allen, right? Like these these are guys that can you know run as well. And so, I feel like and a, and a lot and I'm seeing a lot of plays where running backs are also asked to receive a lot more yep. because of as a consequence of that. And so, in a sense, I feel like you know it, it feels like that position course you know the the, the uh, you know the average lifespan of you know running backs in general is like just absolutely shot anyway so it's not like you're going to see a lot of like you know free agents getting long-term deals worth millions and millions it used to be right it, it feels like it used to be a more important position and an essential part of the offense but now it's kind of more flexible right um it, maybe if you don't have like you know the best run game you know it's fine. You can kind of, if your quarterback can run and if you've got good receivers, you could probably, you know, do without like an amazing one. You could still get by. And especially like, like, like if you're the Ravens, like you probably don't even need like that good of a running back at all because <laughs> you're either going to pass it or Lamar Jackson's going to run. And so you don't need like, you know, like to, to splash dollars on like a running back who's oftentimes going to be asked to just receive the ball. Right. So uh, it's, that's I feel like another position, right? It probably lost value, and so it, it is interesting, and I it, to like you know wonder where this money is you know going to be allocated, reallocated. If we see even wide receivers apparently getting devalued, right? Yeah, it, that that's definitely true. So like running backs have have gotten highly devalued over the last like five ten years because even even back. Like Adrian Peterson, who was really not that long ago. This was like early 2010s, um, late 2000s when he was playing. Like he got a fat contract when when he was dominating the league, um, and so like it was even even like not too long ago that that it was possible for a running back, like a top tier running back, to get a fat contract. Um, these days, you almost never see it, um, and it's it's for a lot of the reasons that you've said, like quarterbacks are more likely to run now and use their legs so devalues the running backs running backs have a have a short shelf life anyway and so that devalues their their overall like career um but then like on top of that it's also part of the reason is that there are so many like running backs young running backs coming into the league that can easily replace an older running back um so well, I think I think it's two reasons. So it's one is that is that there are a lot of young running backs coming to the league that are perfectly suitable replacements, um, and then number two is that we've seen a huge increase in the amount of zone running schemes. So what zone running is is it's what Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, the Gruden, or no, the Shanahan tree. 
um, it's it's the run scheme that they run. And essentially, the the idea, the concept is that so in in traditional run blocking, each each blocker, each offensive lineman, they 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 assign like one defender and they block that defender, and then the running back just like kind of finds wherever and goes through. In a zone running scheme, you're not, like, as the name would suggest, you're not assigned a specific man to block. You're assigned specific zones to block, and in that way, you have you open up, like, spaces where, you know, according to where the zones are, essentially. And it's the running back's job to run, make a cut into one of the holes that's the, the, the zone is going to open up, and then just shoot through the gap. Um... And you're seeing a lot more of that happen in the league. And so it makes it less, that makes it less important for a running back to be like super shifty. Like there's no Barry Sanders nonsense anymore. LaShawn McCoy nonsense. Like you don't need any of that. You just need one guy who can stick his foot in the ground, make one cut and then go as fast as he can through the hole. Like that's all you need. And that's not really that hard to do for a running back, right? That's why, that's why running backs are so replaceable. Is that is that like people have figured this out, and so you don't, you don't need anyone who's like like has to do all this nonsense. You take one cut and then you just run. <laughs> that's, that's all you have to do. And so like for all those reasons, running backs are super devalued. And the same thing is happening to wide receivers. I, I think I have a different kind of theory for wide receivers, and it's that um, seven on seven football, which is like it's not flag football, but it's like it's like a kind of like a like a more casual, I guess, version of football where it's seven on seven. Like you don't have like a full on offensive line, defensive line. You just, it's kind of like wide receivers and cornerbacks and, and just throwing the ball. Right. There's a lot of that happening with young, with young players um, across, across the U S and, you know, obviously when you're playing a lot of seven on seven, that makes wide receiver position more fun, obviously. And then number two, it allows you as a young player to get a lot more reps, running routes, catching the ball, um, tracking the ball. So these young players are developing at a much faster speed and at an earlier age than they were before. So when they come to the NFL, they're just so much better than, than wide receivers were in the past. Right. Yeah. And you know you're right. Like they got that more. They got they got that experience. That you know line linemen. You know, <laughs> all the guys playing like you know linemen now. And once upon a time, they were all wide receivers. <laughs> it's true. It's true. This is actually true. Or running backs. They're probably running back. Honestly, they got Harry required. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. It's so true. No, that's yeah, Harry. Yeah, Harry Maguire, so they just started eating a lot. <laughs> no, this actually applies to linemen in the NFL. They were all running backs before because they were the biggest guy. Like, in eighth grade or in sixth grade, they were the biggest guy on the team in the school, and so they were the running back because no one can tackle them. When, right. you're, when, when you're in sixth grade and you're 200 pounds, yeah, no one's going to tackle you when you're running with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then and then they get to college or they get to high school and they're like, damn, not fast enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I'm just gonna eat more and then we're just gonna. No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna lift more, eat more, put on a little bit of weight, and then boom, <laughs> I'm an offensive lineman now. I mean, that's why you see the offensive lineman running like four eight, four nine now in the forty. 
These guys are like 320 pounds running sub 540s. That's because they are fucking running backs. Could you imagine? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine freaking 350 pounds running sub 540 yard dash coming at you? Just Jesus. That's fucking terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I know it's it. You see the guys running right on TV, and they obviously look so slow when because you're comparing them to like freaking Odell, like running down the sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In reality, dude, they're fucking fast. <laughs> like, yo, you know how fast Aaron Donald was? Aaron Donald, especially. Well, Aaron Donald doesn't, he's one of that, he doesn't even look, he looks fast. <laughs> Which is terrifying. He ran 469. That's crazy. That's like as fast as an actual running back in the NFL. <laughs> That's freaking terrifying. <laughs> How much does he weigh? So he's probably like... He's. I think he's sub 300. He's not 300? No, he's not 300. He's 285. 285. Yeah, that, that's oh. about right. I, I think he looks right around 285. I think, I think that's about right. Still, that's nearly 300. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, that's crazy. It's not. It's it's not even human. Like that's that's crazy. Oh, man. All right. Well, I think we're we're right at we're at the sweet spot. One forty. One forty. All right. Well, um, good, good, good place to stop. Um. Uh, yeah, I think. Um. Yeah, plenty of things to look out for. Obviously, you know, we're gonna be gonna be watching. You know, Final Four action. When's the game? Saturday. Saturday's gonna be the game. Which is cool. Before Monday's the championship. I I never really liked that they put the championships on Mondays. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, like you you'll definitely watch it because you have nothing better to do on Monday yeah. night. Yeah. But it's Monday night, right? I know exactly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a little weird. It's so random, man. Like, um, yeah, um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's episode one of the books. Um, thanks for tuning in. This is, uh, this is, this was a keep it 111 and, um, yeah, we're signing out. Uh, keep it 111. Peace out. Peace.